0: what's up everybody this is the last coffee house i am so sorry this one is gonna be a little late but a lot going on there's a lot going on so this one we're looking at once upon a time in hollywood quentin tarantino's new movie but through the lens of a pretty ridiculous review that i read by richard brody in the new yorker now when i was coming up when i was on the come up i was an undergrad One of the first things i did as an undergraduate was read the new i can't remember the first like the main reason i started reading it but i got a subscription i read every single week i read the whole thing cover to cover i had a professor who also read it and we just gush about malcolm gladwell and whatever was going on in there so it was something i read religiously at a certain point even before trump's election actually i started getting annoyed with how <laughs> one-sided it seemed to be so i kind of stopped reading it and moved on cut to now cut to today and tarantino's come out with a new movie after his what was his most recent one the hateful eight so he came out with a new one after that he had kind of a string and it's called once upon a time in hollywood and i saw it and i loved it it's gotten relatively rave reviews from critics in general it is two hours and 45 minutes long I didn't mind that at all and I can't wait to see it again. I'm gonna buy it right when it comes out again on sale at $5 off. I'll buy it. I'm not buying it at full price. That's ridiculous. But so I loved it. It was great. There were a lot of great things about it. But Richard Brody, he kind of comes out and he comes out with this review. It's called Quentin Tarantino's obscenely regressive vision of the 60s in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, in the first instance, obscenely regressive vision of the 60s. (laughs) Do you not think that the vision of the 60s or what the 60s were was obscenely regressive? You don't think it was pretty obscenely regressive at the time so would that not be accurate but just leaving that aside for now so Brody kind of acknowledges that Tarantino uses a a deft directorial technique but his problem is that it celebrates white male stardom at the expense of everyone else so obviously it stars Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio they have pretty it's a pretty significant star vehicle for those two they have meaty parts and a lot of cool things to do but Brody's not happy about this (laughs) now of course it goes without saying saying and I hate to have to say it but if it was the other way around if the person was anything other than a white male then this would be seen as obscenely regressive <laughs> obscenely racist and or sexist it would be a horrible horrible thing to say but notwithstanding that so he says that rick one of the characters in the movie that's uh, leonardo dicaprio's character name right rick rick dalton i think or something like that uh, derives inspiration from his earnest young co-star which results in his improvising a line that the show's director greatly admires dash and features a slur against mexicans okay now we're in the context of and this is something that i absolutely love how many layers are on this movie because we're in the context of a character playing a character in a fake movie inside of a movie and Leonardo DiCaprio's character i love the scene too with this little girl is inspired by this little girl and looks for her approval in his craft because she takes the craft really seriously this i mean minor spoilers i'm not going to do any major spoilers uh, just minor stuff so i can answer some of these some of these points but anyway so now we're in the 60s There was a slur against Mexicans. He's playing a villain in the fake movie inside the movie. He's playing a villain He's a bad person a bad character He's supposed to emote in such a way and you know what other things he's doing in this particular scene He's holding a girl hostage. Did you I mean that doesn't mean that Tarantino by writing through the villain of the movie inside the movie is advocating hostage taking of young girls I just love how it gets so broad and you get to draw so many disingenuous lines between all sorts of things just because you feel like it because you want to be outraged at another point He begins to shed tears cliff lends him a pair of sunglasses and says don't let the mexican see you crying <laughs> So, again, disingenuous line. So, why couldn't you take this as meaning that Rick wants the respect of the Mexicans? Why couldn't why couldn't that, that mean something? I mean, if he just didn't care what the Mexicans saw, wouldn't that be more disrespectful? I just, I hate this. I hate so much about this whole discussion. When it comes to everything, everything is just racist and homophobic and sexist and everything otherist. Okay, another, like, down the line, he says, Tarantino delivers a ridiculously white movie. Oh, my gosh. The thought, the thought to complete with a nasty dose of white resentment. I don't want to spoil that, so I'm going to leave it out so you won't know that I have said that. By the time that you're listening to this part, you won't know that I said that, because through the magic of editing, I will have gotten rid of it. Tarantino's depiction of marital marital domesticity is is as bitter and burdensome as any macho adolescent might envision it. Cliff's unhappy marriage isn't depicted as a site of conflict, but as his his endurance of the shrill and belittling rage of a shrew. Right, and as we'll get into in my my full response about this, so, so what? what do, he doesn't get to have a, a perspective on marriage? Even if that's exactly what it meant, that's what exactly what he was trying to say, that uh, people should emulate this particular character, <laughs> this washed-up actor, or this washed-up stuntman who nobody likes, even if he's saying that you should emulate, emulate everything that they do, so what if his perspective was exactly that, that he doesn't like marital <laughs> domesticity, that he thinks it's a problem, that he has a he has a problem with resigning oneself to that particular union and becoming a shell of oneself as a result why why couldn't he have that as an artist or just as a person in general why couldn't he have that perspective i mean i love it because i just read to the lighthouse which i loved by virginia wolf it's fantastic book one of the major themes and the major things that she, she says within that book is that being under the yoke of marriage and the societal expectations of marriage is something that chokes artistic Expression, her ability to be able to express herself artistically. She has a problem with marital domesticity. So, would the same, with the same criticism, be levied against her for that reason? Of course not, because she has a different genitalia. She has a, I can't even say genitalia anymore, because she's a different gender. But I hate this. I mean, there are multiple levels here of ridiculousness. Because on the on the one side, why can't he have whatever position he wants? On the other side, is he like a Kantian categorical imperative trying to impose as a truth? that everybody has to be as his characters are? Is that what he's he's trying to do? Anyway, as for Rick, Rick, okay, so Rick in marriage, he eventually marries, and it's emblematic of Tarantino's vision of marriage that Rick's foreign wife, Francesca, is another object of parody with her fancy clothing and a truckload of luggage. Her sole function in the film is to provide Rick with the burden of a dependent. I, again, I like, there's this lens that just gets locked on, and it can't be removed, and that's how you have to look through the whole movie, as this. It couldn't be that Rick is superficial, and he's a he's an actor and getting a foreign wife is part of that superficiality and that's what he's enacting in this particular case or it could be a criticism of the system in the way that it disengages from people who actually have genuine performances and puts them into a box and he still has to go into I mean there are so many things that this canon could be and even if even if the author the filmmaker is trying to say this specific thing that you should go out and find an Italian wife <laughs> that you can just treat as a dependent and she doesn't have any other function and she just buys a bunch of clothes who cares what does it matter the movie's most prominent female character sharon tate is given even less substance she is depicted as an ingenuous barbie doll who ditzily admires herself on screen which of course could be thematic or properly reflective or accurate or whatever the hell else i love that it's like a critic's job to say that no this needs to be something else it's not even within the like there isn't even a sense of okay i'm trying to put this movie together and see how it works how it functions as an artistic medium as something that what is the artist trying to say is it said well is it complex what are the characters like what is the overall functioning how does it look what is the sound all those things it's not even within that kind of a rubric it's something completely different and i saw there was a who did i see it i think tim Poole did a video on it or something like that where he was talking about how there was a website that was criticizing movies based on wokeness It was giving them wokeness grades it says like captain marvel yeah you get a b plus because yeah you have a woman lead but she's a white woman so you get a dot for that and avengers you get a d minus because there are way too many males doing male things in this particular movie but that's the kind of new rubric that's being applied to a movie here since the hell when did a work of art have to be advertising your favorite political positions since when was that the criteria for the quality of a movie i don't know what kind of clown world we're living in here and this is something that's in the new yorker so he whines later about having tarantino having voided the artifacts of substance so he doesn't talk about political protests and social conflict and changing mores he doesn't get into that so it must be a terrible movie because of that tarantino never suggests the existence of a world outside of hollywood fantasy one with ideas desires demands and crises that roll the viewers of movies if not their makers who cares i i can't even stomach this kind of nonsense obviously the movie in its Itself. The the point is, a, a love letter to old Hollywood, that's what the author and filmmaker is trying to get across, along with a condemnation of the lack of restraint and the death of the innocence regarding the, the making of movies. That's what it's about. That's the point. That's the point that the uh, that the artist is trying to get across. Just because I don't like that Into the Lighthouse men are treated as weak and fragile and they just have all these interests that don't mean anything and don't get anywhere. They overestimate their importance or whatever just because that might hurt me personally doesn't mean that To the Lighthouse is a bad piece of work, a bad piece of art or literature. It's fantastic and all those things make it fantastic. Just like in this movie, the fact that Tarantino was able to interweave all these thematics and accomplish a whole hell of a lot of things, symbolically allegorically, when it came to just the technical aspects of filmmaking when it came to the, the performances of the actors and the meta analysis of what making a movie was what making a movie is, what the kinds of things that created the magic that movie making did for us for a long, <laughs> a long several decades before it became a corporate shell of what it once was. All those things he's trying to get across. And that's what you see. People who genuinely love movies, when they see this kind of a movie, when they see this movie, they understand the language of what it's trying to say as an artistic piece. It's ridiculous to just assert that this this movie, like I said, is like some kind of a categorical imperative that's saying that this. This is what we need to go back to, back when it was white, <laughs> back when the women had lesser roles. It's lamenting and using, using history to demonstrate and explore an idea about the protection and saving of the innocence of what filmmaking was, and what filmmaking meant. It was about entertainment, and it was about the transportation. <laughs> that a film was able to do. That's why he traffics so completely in B-movie genres and it doesn't try to elevate or, I mean, I put that in quotes, elevate. But Tarantino's greatest interest is in film, in film itself, in filmmaking, in the history of film, in the things that go into it. He loved the spaghetti westerns and the look and the feel and the texture of those kinds of movies. So the point was to pay homage to that and to lament the loss of that innocence that you were just trying to make a movie and you weren't trying Trying to do something else and the things that happened not just with the pedophilia that was a disgusting underbelly of the whole hollywood system but in what happened <laughs> what that took our innocence when it came to filmmaking took our innocence away that happened to sharon tate and, and the manson murder so it's just there's so much going on here it's so much affection for the art of filmmaking and this piece this article in the new yorker in this era of america is blithe to tear it down let's not mince words here Because of the skin color and gender of the people starring in it and of course the skin color and gender of the person who made it That's what this is reduced down into This isn't a genuine look at the value of this kind of filmmaking or the novelty of having something That's not a sequel or a superhero movie or part of established IP This is genuine filmmaking with genuine ideas and creativity and it's something that's being trashed by a major Reviewer based on gender and skin color. This is absolutely absolute insanity, it's clown world. I'm just done with that. At some point, it might go into more intensive detail about all the great things about once upon a time in Hollywood and how complex it is and how many things are going on there. But not right now. I'm gonna (laughs) shut it down. Try to enjoy the rest of my day. And like I said before, if if you enjoy what I do and are interested in writing or in literature in general, I think it's a lot of fun. Read. It's the first thing I've ever published. It's called John Shade Reads Aspiring Authors. You can find it on Amazon. Let me know what you think. That was the last coffee house. Okay. Thank you. Bye.